1: Anti-trans legislation is gross. This is The Social Dose. The Social Dose is your go-to podcast for a gorgeous dose of what's going on in the world of social media. Brought to you now, every Tuesday and Thursday. Today is Tuesday, July 4th, you may have heard of it. And I'm Paris Nicholson, at Paris Nicholson on socials. And I'm Michael Judson-Berry, at
2: Berry on socials. And now, let's get into these headlines.
1: Today, it's the 4th of July. The day that marks America's independence. We felt that it was apropos to get political, so we're getting into the internet's biggest political takes, questions, and concerns, starting with trans rights rulings. Then 37 charges lie
2: before us, and we're not talking about my credit card statement after a day at the mall. Hello, Trump
1: indictment. And finally, politics isn't all fun and games, but today it is. Later on, we have myself and our special guest, guess which politician tweeted what in a game called red, white, and Twitter blue. All
2: this breaking social media news and more coming up next on The Social Dose. But
1: first, a quick little message from our sponsors. I'm Paris Nicholson. And
2: I'm Michael Berry. And this, whoa, I'm I've not, I'm Michael Judson That Sorry, there was a <laughs> pigeon right outside my window, like staring daggers at me. And I got a little afraid and I forgot to say my full name. I'm Michael Judson Berry and apparently I'm afraid of birds. And this is also the social dose. Let's get into these
1: headlines, shall we, Michaela? Let's do it. The submarine was not enough. We need planes to fall out of the sky, it seems. As it turns out, Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema is proposing a change to how training hours are counted for pilots, uh, permitting some of them to fly with as little as 500 hours of real flight time. Which, if passed, could mean that my 200 hours of cooking mama would have earned me my first Michelin star. Yes, independent Senator uh, Kirsten Cinema. I keep thinking Cinnabon. I see that name and it
2: makes me want a cinnamon bun. But yes, this has been proposed and... The comments, like, people's responses have been amazing. Like, <laughs> the comment that was like, I needed 1,600 hours of training to cut hair in Arizona. Wow. Like, yeah. That seems
1: excessive. That seems excessive, I'll be honest. That's true. For cutting hair,
2: too much. For flying a yeah.
1: plane, probably,
2: probably a great amount. Yeah. Or, or like, the one from at Lost Shoestrings, who's in New York City, a massage therapy license requires 1,000 hours of training. Can you
1: imagine, like, your masseuse has more training than the pilot? Oh, that's a great masseuse. Let me get that phone number. Now, listen, I'm not a pilot or a politician, Besties, as we know. So I brought on one of our besties, political strategist, Brian Derrick, to help us make sense of all of this. Brian Derrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Hi,
0: friends. I'm so glad to be here. Let's get into it.
2: Yay! Okay, yes, because you saw how well we I did to. just trying to summarize, basically, a, a tweet. <laughs> can you make sense of some of this for us? Like, how, so there was a bill, there was flying.
0: Absolutely. So there is this bill called the Federal Aviation Act that Congress has mm-hmm. to renew for planes and airports to keep operating and taking us all over so we can okay. go on our summer vacations and to work and all these things. And so they yes. have to pass this bill, and Senator Cinema has proposed an amendment that would drop that minimum number of in-flight hours for pilots from 1,500 potentially down to as little as 500. Uh, And so there's been a lot of outcry that people are pretty concerned about that. Is she presenting an alternative for that 1,000 missing
1: hours? Like, is it like instead of actually in the sky doing that, you're doing it virtually? Or is it just like, you don't need that much time?
0: There's definitely a component of using simulators um, instead of spending that full time in uh, the plane itself. And the Mm -hmm. rationale there being that you can have many more people flying planes and simulators than the expense that it takes and the time that it takes to actually fly around in commercial <laughs> airlines. Could it be, like, an airport by airport? Like, I live right near New- right near Newark Airport, and, like,
2: we're just happy if we take off. So, like, drop it down to 20 hours if it means, like, getting me out of there. <laughs> so the Newark pilots get less training. <laughs> the, the Newark pilots are quite... They literally just have to sort of show up and be like, can you chew gum and walk at the same time? Okay, cool, you can fly this plane. <laughs> like, just get me out of this airport. <laughs>
1: I'll be honest, like, when you are in the cockpit... And flying the plane, <laughs> you probably feel like you're in a simulation anyway. Like, you're just, like, looking at, what, clouds and a thousand buttons around you? It probably feels exactly the same when you're on the ground.
0: That's so true. I, I think that so much of it is automated now, but but when things go wrong, you definitely want the person in the yeah. cockpit to know what's going on. Actually.
2: Yeah, if I'm on that plane that has to land in the Hudson River and then they make a movie about it, I want to make sure that that movie has a happy ending. <laughs> Didn't that happen? You're referencing yes. a thing that happened? <laughs> yes.
1: Sully Sullenberger. Yeah. Sure, sure, definitely it was that. What if he had only been training for 500 hours? How would that have ended? Tom Hanks would have had nothing to do. He would have landed in the East River. Yeah, (laughs) it would have been the wrong one. Paris, take us into our first story. Protect trans rights. Protect trans kids. Protect trans people. That's the liner, divas. Michael judson elaborates. In
2: the past few years, more and more states have passed legislation banning or restricting gender-affirming care. And I know we hear that term a lot, gender-affirming care, and a lot of us may not be fully clear on what that means. So... Our social scientists have put a little summary together for us, and it is care that encompasses a range of social, psychological, behavioral, and medical interventions designed to support and affirm an individual's gender identity. Now, an example of one of these bills is from Georgia. It's a Georgia State Bill 140, which was passed into law this March, which prohibits certain surgical procedures for the treatment of gender dysphoria in minors from being performed in hospitals and other licensed healthcare facilities. I I think this is the most serious thing I've tried to say, which is probably why it was a struggle for me to try and sound like an informed human being as opposed to just a goof with a microphone. Brian, as you are here and you actually know what you're talking about, can you weigh in on these bills that we've seen crop up all too often these days?
0: Yeah, there's been a huge wave, um, a massive increase over the last few years in anti-trans legislation. And this is something that we're tracking really closely because... It has very dramatic effects on the LGBT community and really on everyone, as it changes how we have um, how we see healthcare and our right to autonomy in the eyes of the law. And so, what we're seeing is from mostly Republican state legislatures, about seventeen states around the country, introducing a huge number of bills that restrict access to healthcare that either prohibit federal funding or actually criminalize doctors who would provide this kind of care to uh, families who who are seeking it. And so I think the important thing to remember is that this is medical care that is recommended by every major medical association in the country. This is what is considered to be best practice. And there are families out there who are just trying to do right by their kids, who are following guidelines from uh, medical professionals, and then are being told by their state government that they're not allowed to access that care. Or in some cases, laws that go so far as to say, if you do access that care, you could even lose custody of your child. Wow, yeah. which is insane. Mind you, this is health care that is sometimes life saving. Absolutely. We know that youth who struggle with gender dysphoria um, are at increased risk of isolation, of mental health problems. And so this is life-saving, medically essential care that um, people are being cut off from, really just to score political points. Brian, my question is
1: this. It feels like grown adults are finding the children in our community that are the most marginalized and just piling on to it. So can you help me understand what the logic is in them thinking? Because everybody thinks that they're the hero of their own story, right? Nobody thinks that they're the bad guy. No one's intentionally being villainous. But what is their perception of what they're doing to make things better.
0: Yeah, I think that we're seeing this right now, this huge increase, right? Um, less than 40 of these bills were introduced in 2018, and more than 400 have been introduced in 2023. Jesus. So 10x yeah. in just five years, which is really um, just, uh, as you're saying, piling on, right? A massive increase. And keeping in mind that this is a tiny population, less than 1% um, of, of Americans. Very small. And I think that that's part of the actual answer, which is not that many people in the United States personally know someone who is trans. The last uh, Mm -hmm. legitimate survey that I saw put that at under 30% of Americans report personally Uh knowing someone who is trans. And so what that means is that people are more susceptible to misinformation about them because they don't have an example in their life to disprove that, right? To be the counterfactual. That means that elected officials can take advantage of that situation whip up a lot of fear and anger around the issue, and then use that to um, propel their own careers and to gain more political power. And they did the same thing way back in the day uh, with gays and lesbians, right? So thinking about the 1970s and the 1980s, there was a lot of fear-mongering going on about having gay teachers in schools and having gays Mm -hmm. in the military. And they used a lot of the same um, sort of tropes and disinformation to really run gays out of, out of public life back then. And so it was all about protecting kids. And it does feel like one of those where they're
2: using that as a jumping off to, again, go after just, like, queer people in general. Like, it definitely does feel like one of those where you really have to pay attention where, what, what's that adage where it's just like, first they came for them, but I didn't care because it wasn't me, and then they came yeah, for, yeah, yeah. and it feels like and they're picking an easy target to start with. I don't know. I, uh, you know, just, just my so sort of hypothesis.
1: Because you see it, it's growing, and it's very scary. Absolutely. I kind of want to synthesize this into a way that makes my brain understand it better. Ben, Brian, let me know if you would agree with this. Can it be seen as, in the bigger picture, a good sign that they have now shifted their focus from, like, gays and lesbians to an even more, like, marginalized uh, community? Because in my mind like they came for the gays for so long the gays and lesbians were like you know what we rally together we school together like a bunch of fish and then you can't get to us so then they just start picking at the ones that haven't gotten like schooled together in like the the defensive whatever and that's why we're bringing in our trans uh, brothers and sisters so much more now than ever so would you say that this is a
0: sign that they are running out of things to attack so i think you're both correct first it really has been a pivot after marriage equality, the same people who are organizing against trans people now were the people who were running very public campaigns against same-sex marriage 10 years ago. And they lost that issue in the court of public opinion. People were no longer on their side, and so they couldn't be out um, at the ballot box or in the street campaigning against marriage equality because people just didn't agree. And so they had to find something new. And you're exactly right. They p- held on and picked trans people as the new thing that they wanted to um, attack. And Mm -hmm. the danger there is that, Michael, you're exactly right. They're bundling all queer people in with that. And so there's a new poll from Gallup um, out just last week that shows a 15% drop in one year from Republicans, from registered Republican voters in whether or not they approve of same-sex relationships broadly. A huge drop, setting us back more than 15 years um, in that approval. And so it is having effects across the entire community when you're, again, spouting a lot of misinformation and trying to scare people.
1: So it's working.
0: Um, I would say it is working in some communities. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do. And that's why I'm so glad that you guys are talking about this, right? And that more people are out there taking this issue head on, even if it's not something that you're necessarily comfortable talking about or um, completely filled in on. Well, that's why I'm glad we have people like you who
2: like... I, if you don't follow Brian, friends, like, definitely go follow. Because I feel like you're brilliant at taking really difficult issues and making them, A, very accessible, very easy to understand,
1: and also still yeah. light.
0: I appreciate that so much.
2: So, and as these things are happening, like, definitely friends, like, follow Brian for more, like, information like this.
1: And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back.
2: To quote Samuel Jackson and one of our favorite Instagram comments of 2023, you there for the arraignment? Yes, Sam, we are here for the arraignment. And we're here for the indictments. We're, of course, referring to the arraigning and indicting of our 45th president, Donald Trump. Number 45 is facing 37
1: charges, and we have 100 reasons to love that. Paris with more. Yes, Michael, that iconic Samuel Jackson line was commented on one of Brie Larson's posts back on April 4th, the week that Donald Trump was being arraigned in New York City. But that was the past, and now this is the present, and Trump is currently being indicted on 37 charges relating to him mishandling classified documents that we may or may not have seen a photograph of next to a toilet. (laughs) Brian, what's the general
0: gist of what he's done here? Wait, were you not in that bathroom? Do you not know exactly what was going on? There is no amount of money that would convince me to go into that bathroom. Who knows how much time <laughs> oh, I was no. spent in there reading. Okay, <gasps> that, that famous last words. I've heard many people
2: say that exact line about various bathrooms. And actually, to be fair, they were never seen again. They're still in there. Um, <laughs>
0: so they're still in there. So basically what we have here is a classic example of a president of the United States abusing all of the powers of his office in order to try to remain relevant. Um, So Trump Uh. is being charged with mishandling classified documents. Um, He kept highly, highly sensitive information about the nuclear powers and secrets of the United States, of our allies, about what we would do if there, if we were attacked or how we would attack other countries if we had to do that. And he had all these documents, like you said, in a bathroom, in a storage facility at Mar-a-Lago. And when the government tried to get them back and say, hey, you shouldn't have those, he did absolutely everything he could to hold on to them, right? He had them moved. Um, he lied about what he had and what wow. he knew or didn't know about it. And so that's why he's now being charged is because not only did he take them, but he knew what was in there and intentionally held on to it after uh, he was asked to to give it back. Well, there it is.
2: That seems pretty easy to understand. <laughs> I think we all, over the course of this, have seen a lot of really fun memes and gifs that come out of this. Like, the social media response to this to a very serious topic has been super fun. But it's also like, this is this shouldn't be funny. Like, a president did something very bad and should be held accountable. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I think that it can be both. I think that it's good. That, okay, uh, thank you, like, thank you. <laughs> that is how information travels now, right? Is like it is memefied or it's turned into content, and that is how young people consume information. And so, if we don't let ourselves make fun of something and speak in a language that people understand and talk about, then the many people will never hear it at all. Do you have any favorites that have popped out for you with any of these Trump ones, like that that spring to mind? I think all of the Hillary ones just have the absolute highest form of irony that I love to see the juxtaposition of anything with the emails and the boxes is just sending Yeah,
1: Isn't there like a rule or like a law that says, hey, president, you can't take the, the documents to your house. You keep them at the Oval Office or in a filing cabinet with a lock. I don't know. Yeah, Are they allowed a, to just take stuff?
0: <laughs> no, no, of course not. And I think that that was a okay. big question that a lot of people had was, but didn't, didn't Biden do this? They found files there. Didn't Pence do this? They found files in his home. That's true. I think that the sensitivity of the documents is one major game changer here where mm. these weren't classified because of who wrote them or something. They were classified because they were the absolute highest level of top secret that uh, documents can be. Okay. In some cases, the documents were so sensitive that even as president, uh, Donald Trump did not have the power to declassify them. Really? Because Yeah, exactly, right. Because they were That's so sensitive. That's good to sensitive. know. Yep. That's really good to know. Totally. Who has that power? It Steve has Pelosi. to go through the Department of Defense. Makes sense. Now, yes.
2: and how how do you think cuz i i've seen a lot of people say like how obviously his base will always support him they're just like he can do no wrong but like do you, where do you think this looks for the the next election do you think people are actually going to be like uh-uh, we don't know how we feel about you anymore
0: yeah i think our best um estimation of what will happen in the future is what has happened in the past and what we've seen anytime mm. trump does something bad and is called out for it is that that core base just rallies around him and normal people sort of open to <laughs> other options uh sort of move away from him and that, and that's what we've okay. we've mm-hmm. seen he he's dropped a couple points since the indictment across all polling um but not enough that any other republican is like right on his heels to take over as the front runner okay so he's currently still in the lead he is yeah he's still the front runner wow oh. wow okay that's upsetting
2: one of my th- favorite Twitter accounts uh, called at Liza Outlives. It's it's Liza Minnelli Outlives, but at Liza Outlives has had a good amount to say about this. Whoever runs this account is one of my favorite humans and just sort of like announces what's going on in the world by being like Liza Minnelli has now outlived this. So there was one that was like, Liza Minnelli has outlived the long wait for Donald Trump to be indicted. A grand jury has voted to indict the former president for his role in paying hush money to Stormy Daniels. Hallelujah and amen. (laughs) And I just love that that's sort of like the way we're measuring things. It's like, this happened. Like,
0: Liza Minnelli has outlived yet again another historic moment. I think she's going to have to live for a long time to see the end of this thread, right? There's going to be so many things coming out about Donald Trump's next arraignment, Donald Trump's Mm -hmm. next court date, and maybe Liza Minnelli outlived Donald Trump being outside of jail. What if she
1: just outlives Donald Trump and he dies?
2: I never thought I'd see the day, Mama. <laughs> Donald, don't, remember that Donald Trump, he's in prison now and I'm still here. I'm still here. Like that's how that would go. <laughs> that's exactly how that would go. <laughs> Can you High believe it, tickets. Mama? <laughs> oh my god, Liza's <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm still here at Carnegie Hall concert. Trump went to prison, but I'm here. Liza, take us to a break, will you? After this ad break, we're going to get back into breaking social media news. It's going to be fabulous, darling. Just fabulous.
1: Terrific. Terrific.
2: Raspberries.
0: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No.
2: And we're back. Okay, this has been a very serious episode. We get this um, as far as we go. So we gotta have a little bit of fun. So we are going to play a game here at the Social Dose. So Brian, the world of social media is something we are experts in, but you are the expert on politics. So we have prepared a little game where we're going to put yours and Paris's heads together. When when the forces combine, <laughs> that was a way to phrase that like neither of you enjoyed that but now you're excited about this game i'm sure called red white and twitter blue what's the game okay how this works is uh, no i just want to introduce (laughs) it for 25 minutes this is why they didn't hire me to host wheel of fortune oh i know my self-tape was so good and unsolicited okay um (laughs) red white and twitter blue is very simple Unlike my introduction, I will read you a tweet from a politician, and you'll have to guess who tweeted it from a list of politicians that I will give you. It's a fun little multiple-choice game. So, here is our first one. Who is challenging Jimmy Kimmel to a b-ball match? The tweet is, at Jimmy Kimmel. All right, big guy, you talk a good game. You besmirched my support for the at Houston Rockets. Eyebrow up face. So let's settle this man-to-man, colon, one-on-one, hoops, or ring ball if you prefer. The loser gives $5,000 to the non-political charity of the winner's choice. So who is challenging Jimmy Kimmel to a basketball match? Is it- Who tweeted spea- this? Who tweeted this? Is it Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, or Republican Senator Ted Cruz?
1: Ah. Uh,
0: I Paris. can't tell. Do you know the answer to this, Brian? I do know the answer to this. I feel very oh, confident, okay. let me say.
1: Okay. On one hand, I don't want to say Pete Buttigieg because Jimmy Kimmel seems like, they, they seem like they'd be on the same side, but also is this Pete Buttigieg's like idea of playful ribbing? If so, he's an alien from another planet
0: because <laughs> I mean, no human writes or speaks like this. Okay, well, Pete is not challenging anybody to basketball. Let's get real. He's like 5'6 yeah, or something. okay.
1: Pete yeah. out. Ted He's Cruz is just, just a wee man. Is in. Oh Ted Cruz is from Texas. He's not from Florida. Okay, so maybe Houston Rockets. Ted Cruz is from Texas. I'm gonna say C. Is that what you were thinking,
0: Brian? Absolutely, Paris. You nailed it.
1: Ding is ding it?
2: ding. And you are both correct.
1: It is America's <gasps> favorite vacationer, Ted Cruz. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Okay, I'm actually impressed with myself. Let's hear the next one.
2: Okay, great. Who's into modern linguistics? Who of these politicians is the most cunning linguist? Here's the tweet. Refudiate, Misunderestimate. We weed up. English is a living language. Shakespeare liked to coin new words too. Got to celebrate it. Was this tweet from Georgian Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, former Alaskan Governor Sarah Palin, or former President George Bush?
1: This one's tough because I feel like they're all famously morons.
0: Yeah, I'm immediately drawn to Sarah Palin. Wee Weed Up is giving me weird, weird energy for me. Yeah, And very I don't weird. think that Marjorie Taylor Greene could definitely not spell Shakespeare. Like, she couldn't do that.
1: <laughs> it's true. Oh. Not even with autocorrect. Yeah. Not
0: even with autocorrect.
1: Well, I don't think I could either, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs>
0: I feel like um, refudiate
1: and misunder, misunderestimate could both be George Bush words, but the vibe overall is giving Sarah Palin. I think you're right, Brian.
0: Yeah, the vibe is giving Palin to me. Okay, it's final answer. answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's B. go Palin.
0: Yes, it is
2: Sarah. I can see Russia from my house, Palin. She said <laughs> refudiate, <laughs> misunderestimate, and we weed, weed up. We weed yes. up. Wow. We weed, wow. weed up definitely sounds like something she would say. In what context? A hockey mom is lipstick on a pit bull, and I know how to wee-wee up. Okay. Um, <laughs>
1: Paris, you wee-weed up once, and it didn't end well for you. So... Oh, that's true, actually. <laughs> that's the only context I have for the term wee-weed up. I don't know what that could mean other than accidentally peeing
2: in one's own face. Once upon a time, Paris peed in his own face, and he hasn't stepped up to a urinal ever since.
1: I was like seven, Brian. It was sad. It was oh, traumatizing.
0: Okay. All right. That was a helpful yeah. context. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. <laughs>
0: Whose father was
2: incredibly intense? When I was a kid, my dad used to walk around the house saying, Beat the system, kids! Beat the system! It took me 50 years to realize how much he really meant that. Is this Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Majority Senate Leader Chuck Schumer, or presidential candidate Marion Williamson?
1: Okay, I don't know Ooh. Chuck Schumer, so I'm just going to say no to him. Good call. Oh, or is wow. this giving Chuck Schumer, Brian? No, Chuck Schumer loves the system. Yeah. Okay. Marianne Williamson hates the system, and I do love her for that. Tonally, this doesn't necessarily sound like the way she talks. Yeah,
0: I feel like if it were DeSantis, it would say beat the kids, comma, system. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I was <laughs> waiting for. Exactly. exactly. System kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you. I'm I feel like Let's uh, go, Marianne. It's totally giving Marianne.
2: And you are both correct.
0: Ooh, Look at you. Wow. wow. I'm so proud of
2: you,
1: too. can use context clues and my resources, like Brian. (laughs) Thank you for carrying us through that game, Brian.
0: It was all you. It was all you. So
1: wait, real quick, I would love to hear your thoughts on Marianne Williamson, because I'm personally a fan, but I feel like it's just not plausible at this point because the world's not ready for her. But also, how realistic are the things she's saying?
0: Yeah, I think that she is really speaking the language to reach specific segments of the internet community of the very plugged Mm -hmm. in community i get from friends all the time who spend a lot of time on tiktok that they're big marianne fans um i think that in 2024 it is about what our options look like and what we can achieve and marianne does not have a path to being in the white house that's so upsetting because yeah i think that's right like
1: I ideologically I'm like, yes, 100% Marion Williams Williamson. But at the same time, it's like, am I throwing a vote away? You know? And you hate to feel that way. Yeah. But that's the way the two party system works and it sucks. Two party yeah. system is ass. I heard, I think in school one time, like Australia does like a, I don't know, some country does a different voting system where you kind oh. of like rank your picks. Yeah. That's oh, like Ireland. Yeah. They have a
2: five party system and you just rank yeah, I think that's one to five. You rank so chances them, then, are good like, one of your top three is going to get
1: there. Yeah. Nobody, nobody They're ever like, wins like the majority vote. Well, you but just as a result, your at top peace five. with
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we should top five. We should top five hottest presidents. I'll well, start Well, It's, it. happening. it's <laughs> happening in some places. New York City has implemented ranked choice voting, as well as uh, Alaska. That's how we ended up with Congresswoman Mary Peltola. Google it. And we love her? And we love her. Major, yeah. Okay, totally. good. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay, to yeah. Well, it starts local. Starts yeah. local.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love
0: that. That is indeed hopeful.
2: Okay, well, on that hopeful note, ah, yes, thank you. We're going to end on a hopeful note today. That is all we have for today. Brian, thank you so, so much for coming in and being our special 4th of July correspondent and our, our political expert. We very much appreciate having you here. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Where can Where can everyone find you, go on walks with you,
0: watch you put on a blue blazer and get very excited about politics? You can find me on socials, except for Twitter, at Brian Derek underscore. Amazing.
1: I also feel like, should we guide people to resources and places that they can like donate or volunteer?
0: Yeah, I think that if you want to take uh, action, especially on like the trans issue that we were talking about today, there are a lot of really great state-based groups that I would recommend, like Equality Texas, Equality Florida, the Tennessee Equality Project, um, who are doing awesome work on the front lines, making sure people get the health care that they need. I love that. And also
1: the information that they need, because a lot of people are just confused about what it is and making strong choices based on misinformation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you would never do that, Bestie. Listeners, no. th- you would listen to the episode all the way through, and then you would go to the socialdosepodcast.com and leave us a message with your thoughts on all of this. I know you would do that, and you will, and I can't wait to hear those messages, Besties. But with that being said, I need to go clear a path for Marianne Williamson to get to the White House. <laughs> and I need to go find out who's running the Liza Minnelli
2: Outlives account so I can, I can go try and get an internship there because it, it just looks fabulous. A- absolutely fabulous. Happy scrolling, friends.
1: Happy scrolling, Liza. Thank you. (laughs) The Social Dose is a Sony Music Entertainment production. The EPs are Sarita Wesley and Jasmine Henley-Brown. Daniel Jones-Wesley is senior producer, Chelsea Jacobson is producer, and Sunny Balkin is associate producer. This show is engineered by Gulliver Lawrence Tickle and John Scott. Music by Dom Jones.